Wow. Everything is so awesome and clear, except our videos for now. But we'll get that worked out. And without further ado for Mother's Day, we decided to put our best foot forward and bring out Susie Lowe, my wife. I'm Pastor Ralph. Let's hear it for Susie. an announcement about food did we did we say the announcement about food that was my fault uh, yesterday we had so much food thank you very much that we have extra food in the kitchen in containers the workers put it all in containers if you have a family of uh, one husband or more and children you can be welcome to that food we'd like you after the service to go in there and see if there's food you can take home uh, next week is camp work weekend also and a big birthday party for June Pack's 90th birthday. So those things are coming up. Bless you. And Susie loves my commercial, so I'm going to turn it over quickly to her. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. I said, I was in the bathroom. I have no idea what was going on when you guys were making announcements. So <laughs> let's get my slide up, guys. The very first one. Next. There we go. The imperfect mother is what I'm going to be talking about today. I, I want you to know, first of all, that I am ultra sensitive to the fact that Mother's Day it can be a bittersweet day. That there are people in this congregation who, whose mothers maybe have already gone on to heaven, who maybe had an estranged relationship with their mother. There might be mothers here who have estranged relationships with your children. There are single moms. Maybe you're even a husband and the mother of your children is no longer with you. I mean, there's so many reasons that this can be a bittersweet day. And I usually try to do something that's very universal if I speak on this day. And I just felt like God began to speak to me about a specific subject and I want to start by saying that as I watch the new mothers here in this church, I realize that you are much more intentional, you are much more organized, and you are much more disciplined in your parenting than my generation ever was. You give more thought to your parenting, you read more about parenting, and you plan more about parenting than we ever did. And I want you to know that I... When I watch you, and I, I do watch you, I can't help but watch you and your little ones. I rejoice when I see what you do. In fact, I am full of admiration and envy for you. You are giving yourself as you best know how <laughs> to the sacred thing called mother. But when God gives you a vision to be a godly mother, you may soon find out that you are facing a hidden danger. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. If you aren't careful, you can be crushed by the weight of your own wonderful vision. This is what motherhood is supposed to look like. I want you to think about the little lives that have been placed into your hands. Think about your children. 
You are the mother. You aren't a mother. You are the mother in their lives. And some of you have come to feel that the way your own children turn out rests totally on your parenting skills. Or some of you may feel that your own child's eternal destiny rests in your hands. But, uh, well, first I want to say, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> don't hear me say, I don't, want you, I don't want you to be a good parent. That's not what I'm saying. And don't hear that I don't want you to have Jesus in your children's lives. But if you have become crushed under the weight of your calling, then I'm speaking to you this morning. Or if you are crushed when reality sits in and you realize you are just way inadequate <laughs> for what God is calling you to do, then I'm speaking to you this morning. And as your pastor, I want to speak into this area on Mother's Day. I want to lift the burden the weight off of your shoulders, I want you to be released from being crushed. And you might wonder, well, Susie, who are you to speak to this because you don't have any children of your own? And that's true. But I know with everything in me that I was born with a mother's heart. And through 36 years of being a pastor in some way, shape, or form, I have felt the crushing weight of being a spiritual mother to those in my church. I have felt the weight of the total responsibility for how you turn out. I have felt the weight that your eternal destiny rests in my and Ralph's hands. And I have discovered that I can't live under that type of a burden. And what's really wonderful is that I've recently discovered God never expected me to. Now, as I said that about myself, can you in the audience go, oh, yeah, Susie, I see that. You shouldn't put that weight on yourself. <laughs> and you as parents shouldn't put that same weight on yourself. At this age, I'm now 65, there are times when I look out at some of you in my congregation and I want to grab you <laughs> like any loving mother would want to grab you and say, I did not raise you this way. <laughs> now play nice, be kind, show mercy, and forgive. But I, if I'm honest, most of the time, I have been crushed by the thought that if only Ralph and I were perfect pastors. If only we were perfect spiritual parents, then you would be nice. And you would be kind. And you would show mercy. And you would forgive. And that type of thinking crushes pastors. And I believe that type of thinking crushes parents. I have a very good friend, lives in Walla Walla, Washington. Her and her husband have 
been in ministry off and on for um, almost of their all adult life. God called them out of darkness into such great light. And I have watched them parent, and they were one of the parents that I really admired. They had two children, and their example of parenting was exactly the same for both of their sons. Their sons were really close in age. Exactly the same example. They were pastor's kids, you know, so that can always be a little heavy, but they, they were, are wonderful, wonderful parents. And one of the sons has a beautiful family, has a life that is um, dedicated to working in the kingdom of God. And the other son, raised in the very same home, they haven't seen in years. He's an alcoholic, and they think he might be homeless somewhere in Seattle. And that reality crushes my friend. Because what she does is she internalizes that and said, if I had been a different parent, that wouldn't have happened. And again, I want you to hear me. They were wonderful parents. It wasn't that this was a dysfunctional home. There are no perfect parents. You know, burst your bubble this morning. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect bosses. There are no perfect teachers. There are no perfect pastors. And you know there's a religious mentality out there, and sometimes it can get in here that says, you know what, we've got the truth. We have all the answers, and we're going to model truth, and we will live before the world and tell them we are right. But do you know that's what the Pharisees did? Our calling is not to live before the world as people who have all the answers and have it right. Our calling is to live humbly before the Lord as people who have simply been rescued by a wonderful Savior. We've been rescued. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand God's grace that has been extended to you. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. But we know the one who is the answer, and his name is Jesus. And as a pastor with a mother's heart, I have to tell you that just relaxing in his grace, still doing the best that I can, and acknowledging that how you turn out is ultimately up to you and Jesus, <laughs> And doing the best I can and acknowledging that your eternal salvation is in his hands keeps me from being crushed. I, I want to take you on just a short journey this morning and tell you about an imperfect mother. She's in the Bible. Her name is Sarah. You can go to Genesis and read her story if you want. But I just want to talk about her this morning. She was the wife of Abraham. And although Sarah was remarkable, I want you to see that she was less than a perfect mother. With less than a perfect husband, with a less than perfect family, and a less than perfect faith. Who had to surrender to a gloriously perfect 
Savior. So let's start with the fact that Sarah had a less than perfect husband. Abraham and Sarah are traveling to Egypt, and Sarah was beautiful. In fact, she was so beautiful that Abraham was afraid that somebody was going to kill him just for the fact that Sarah was so beautiful and they wanted her. So he convinces her that when they get to Egypt, she should say she is his sister. <laughs> now, Abraham's choice gets Sarah into all sorts of trouble. And it's hard to look back over 4,000 years and imagine what marriages were like in those days, but Abraham was not looking out for his wife. He is so focused on what is good for him that he completely misses what is good for his wife, let alone what is good before God. Abraham was less than a perfect husband. See, the problem with marriage is that the best, the very best that any of us can do is we marry another imperfect less than perfect person. That's the best we can do. I wasn't long in the marriage before I realized that I was actually hitched to a guy that fell far short from the glory of God. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, sweetie. <laughs> Just like Abraham, there are no perfect husbands. Just like, okay, there are no perfect wives. So next, Sarah had a less than perfect family. So as Sarah gets older, she becomes desperate to have a child. And she gets to the place where she will do anything, I mean anything, to have a family. And I know that Sarah was in a lot of pain. But Sarah's desperation to have a family led her to do a crazy thing, like Jerry Springer crazy thing. She gives her servant to her husband so that Abraham can have a child through her servant, Hagar. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. Hagar got pregnant, and a son was born to Abraham whose name was Ishmael. But listen to this. Sarah's desperate decision now has continuous consequences. Gosh, how people think the Bible isn't relevant when there's stories like this in there. So surprise, Hagar despises Sarah. And Sarah mistreats Hagar. And then Sarah has a miracle baby, and I'll get back to that in a minute. And when her baby Isaac is weaned, Abraham throws a really big party for him. And guess what Ishmael, who is now a teenager, does? He mocks the whole thing. He mocks Isaac. So Ishmael is not only mocking, but he's cynical. And the mood of a cynical teenager can cast a cloud over a whole family. Ishmael is making the home life unbearable for everyone in the household. And that's when Sarah realizes this is not going to work. 
And she tells Abraham, the boy has to go. More Jerry Springer drama ensues. And Abraham tells her, no, he's not going to go. He's my son. And in some weird way, God intervenes and confirms that Sarah actually has wisdom for these circumstances. And the boy Ishmael is sent away. And I know that some of you sitting here have been through that kind of pain. And maybe you feel crushed by the shame of a less than perfect family. That's exactly what Sarah was feeling. After all, in her mind, she was the one who created this mess. So we have a less than perfect husband, a less than perfect family, obviously a less than perfect mother, and then we have a less than perfect faith. So I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. And God appears to Abraham personally and visibly. And he comes to bring the great promise that there is going to be a future savior. But he also brings the promise that Sarah will have a son through Abraham. Now Sarah does have faith in God. But trusting God for a child at the age of, get this, 90 years old <laughs> was totally stretching God's credibility. Sarah doesn't even take it seriously. She starts laughing. God's promise of a child in old age is inconceivable. Literally, inconceivable. And she laughs because Sarah has a less than perfect faith. Now, here's the amazing part. One year later, we find Sarah laughing again, only this time it's because she is holding her son. And she's not laughing in disbelief, but she is laughing in the promise of God. And here's a key that Sarah discovered and a key for you. Go to the next slide, guys. God's promise is stronger than your faith. I thank God that his word says it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It does not say it is by faith you are saved through grace. Because if your salvation or my salvation hung on the strength of our faith, we wouldn't make it. Because nobody, nobody has perfect faith. If you expect to have perfect faith, then you will be crushed when things aren't perfect. So Sarah, a less than perfect mother with a less than perfect husband, a less than perfect family, and a less than perfect faith, that is the perfect picture of you and me. Less than perfect. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with God's grace. It leaves us with his unconditional love towards us. And most important, it leaves us with the answer, a gloriously perfect Savior. Go to the last slide. This is in Galatians. It says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you. Okay, 
Now really read that. God announced the good news to Abraham 2,000 years before Jesus was born. He announced the gospel. That through Abraham, God would send a savior. That salvation would come not just to the Jews, but to the whole world. Not by having a perfect husband or wife. Not by having a perfect family. And not by having a perfect faith. Abraham and Sarah knew that when the Savior came, and this is the wonderful part, he would deal with the ways in which they had fallen short. Jesus would deal with them being imperfect in their marriage. Jesus would deal with them being imperfect parents. Jesus would deal with their imperfect children. He would deal with them being raised in an imperfect family. And he would deal with their imperfect faith. And it would be through grace. Isn't that what we all need today? It's what I need. Otherwise, we will find ourselves being crushed under the burden of a less than perfect life with a less than perfect marriage, a less than perfect home, a less than perfect children, a less than perfect family, a less than perfect workplace, a less than perfect church. The outcome does not depend on us being perfect. The outcome is only by God's grace through Jesus Christ in our lives. And as imperfect and crazy as Sarah's life was, God's grace was so strong that the Savior was born through her family line. There's not a single Sunday when one member of this congregation, including your pastors, could turn up and say, you know what, I got it absolutely perfect this week. And if you think that you did get it perfect, this is what God did to me one time. Well, Susie, let's just put your thoughts up here on the screen from the last week. At your best, at your Christian best, you still hang on the grace and mercy of God. And I, and I just want to add something here. We don't just brush against the grace of God for forgiveness and then go back out and live our life. We stand in grace. I mean, in the middle of your imperfect home with your imperfect children and your imperfect marriage, you can just go, God, I just take a stand in your grace. I can't be good enough. I can't be adequate enough. I need to stand in your grace. Could we go ahead and have the band come? As the band plays a song, I'm going to give you three options, three choices this morning. If you need prayer for healing, I want you to please go back to our prayer corner. And we have a wonderful prayer team that will pray for you. Or you can stay and sing and worship right where you are. But let's go ahead and stand. Mm -hmm. Prayer corner. Stay in here and worship. But I just want to speak to you real, real personal. 
Maybe your reality is that your husband or wife are not where you want them to be. Maybe your reality is that your children are not where you want them to be. Maybe your family is not where you want them to be. Maybe your job is not what you want it to be. Maybe your reality is that your faith is not where you want it to be. And you are feeling increasingly crushed. Or maybe you look at your own life and there were choices you've made like Sarah and man, you wish you could undo them. But you can't. You need to stand in God's grace. Let me tell you what you can do and here's your third option. As we sing, you can stand in worship you can go to the back for prayer, or you can come to the altar. And you can come to the perfect Savior just between you and him up here. You can say, you know what? Here's my life. Jesus, look at my choices. Jesus, look at my missed opportunities. Jesus, look at my sins. Jesus, look at my regrets. Look at the pressure I feel. Jesus, look at this thing that is crushing me. And today, when you stand up here, you can say, Jesus, I'm putting my hope in you. Jesus, make my imperfect life into something that will glorify you. Make my imperfect marriage into something that will glorify you. Jesus, make my imperfect children into adults who will glorify you. Make my imperfect family into a family that will glorify you. And Jesus, make my church into a church that will glorify you. Let's go ahead and sing.
Wonderful Mother's Day. Thanks for joining us today.